Hey, I'm Janita and I use the handle The Jewelry Maven on Instagram. I'm your host today of the Polished Carrot Podcast, a show about jewelry because all great stories start with a piece of jewelry. Thank you for tuning in to have a little listen. I do hope you enjoy and have fun with it. Please stay safe and well. Ever see a piece of jewellery and want it, and can't find it anywhere? What about the earrings you wish to wear, but lost the other part of the pair? Or how about the ring? You want to have two more of so you can stack them. Bespoke is the solution. We can duplicate almost any piece of jewellery nowadays. The new jewellery can be created using a piece you currently have, or a picture of the piece you wish to duplicate, or a mixture of the two. Depending on the item, you can make the duplicate using the original as a mould or you can create a new bundle from a CAD design. Now those long lost half earrings don't have to fly solo anymore. Now the thing is, um, there's a lot of things on Instagram these days about copyright, stealing ideas. Uh, I don't think that anything new is under the sun. And we don't need to reinvent the wheel where jewellery is concerned. And um, I'm going to be speaking to a lovely jeweller today, Adastra Jewellery, um, who had a, had the pleasure of participating in a webinar with when she launched her brand in, in New York. And um, she actually came to my attention because of her Elizabeth Taylor inspired collection. Now this is what I'm talking about. Fabulous, beautiful rare jewels with exceptional provenance that us mere mortals could never, ever, ever die, ever, ever aspire to uh, to own because these pieces are worth millions and millions of dollars. And our fellow Destras opened up a, a nice little niche in the market for us to have those pieces if we so wish. She can make um, copies of these wonderful historic pieces. And I'm very proud to own one ring from them, the 100 carats round diamond solitaire, which we've all seen on Sotheby's and Christie's floating around. And now Janita has one. I still aspire to owning a Elizabeth Taylor brooch made by them. So uh, if you guys don't know about Adastra, go on Instagram, type in Adastra, and you'll see they don't just make Elizabeth Taylor lookalikes. They can make any piece of jewellery you desire. It could be something like the Dresden Green or an Art Deco bracelet or a huge um, antique ring or earrings. And they set their stones that they look like old minor cuts. And um, the workmanship is really good. They work in silver. And each piece is handmade. So you can make it to measure. You can make it to fit you. And I think this is a really, really nice um avenue of jewelry to have nowadays is where you if you are in love with a historic piece like a lot of us we love historic jewelry and you can't wear those beautiful pieces because they're sitting in the Smithsonian or in a museum and you know I would literally die for a stomacher you guys know me I'm extra <laughs> I would literally die for a stomacher really it's I think it's the most beautiful invention known to man that huge brooch that covers your whole stomach and um 
they can make that for you, girl. If you want something made, they can. You can discuss it with them, and you can create the piece together. I think they've got some very prolific collectors who have collected crowns and you know many replicas of of royal jewels. And you know, people say, "Oh, but it's copyright and it's this and that." Well, I say, "Bullshit! It's a piece that you've ordered." A jeweler to make as a custom piece for you and uh, heads up darlings all the big jewelry houses do it did you know that I discovered a necklace from Busotti Mulano the other day and all of a sudden it popped up on a big influencer's screen uh, as a Cartier necklace so yes Cartier uh, Boucheron uh, Tiffany everybody does it darling they hire uh, small artisanal jewelers to make these precious pieces, buy them off them, obviously at minimum rate, and sell them for a fortune as their own. So um, don't knock it if you don't know what's going on. I think Adastra Jewelry has entered the niche market now where they can create beautiful jewels for all of us to enjoy because not all of us are millionaires. And um, yeah. Now that you know that the big jewellery houses don't design all their own jewellery, darling, don't be so quick to judge. I hope you enjoy today's interview with Adastra. Tapping into their rich heritage of being Skyons from a family that has been in the diamond manufacturing business for a generation, Adastra understands the nuances of how a diamond reflects and looks in varied lighting. Every woman is a princess in her own right, is the credo that they believe in. This philosophy is reflected in all their innovative creations, while designs from the Victorian, Art Deco, Georgian and Edwardian areas are their forte have been experimenting with large contemporary line as well. They are committed to excellence in craftsmanship and material purity that catapulted the company into a trusted name in the industry in record time. Right from hand drawing the designs to plating them, all tasks are carried out with love and perfection. A collective belief in, in individual action reflect the dedication of a dexterous craftsman and encapsulate how the artisans work together. Talent being invaluable is the heart of the company. A personal touch guarantees that everyone who comes to Adastra as a customer remains henceforth a true friend. Hello. 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 Can you hear Hi. me? <laughs> is that a Tastra? Yes, this is Aditi here. Hi, From darling. Welcome to, welcome to the show. We've made a connection. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry for the time mess up and then everything. Oh, don't worry about it, darling. We eventually made a connection. I know where the time zones. I make, I make mistakes all the time. So firstly, I want to say thank you for coming to our show and welcome. And um, 
So today we're going to be talking about your collection. Thank you so much for having me and I'm excited. Ah, me too. I've been excited ever since we did that webinar together when you launched your work in New York and you gifted me that huge, wonderful 100 carat ring, darling. That's exactly like the Sotheby's ring I have been dying over my whole life. <laughs> so thank you for involving me in your launch with your Elizabeth Taylor line. Thank you so much for being there. Now, it was, a, it was a, like a fun experience. Now, Sweetie, I want to ask you, um, for the followers that don't know, mm-hmm. you make bespoke pieces by order for customers of wonderful, fabulous jewelry from all eras. And I'd like to ask, what is one of the favorite pieces you've ever made for a customer? Uh, so I'll have to tell that uh, the favorite piece is always an Elizabeth-inspired necklace that we made for the customer, and mm-hmm. uh, it has like a huge hundred-carat emerald brooch pendant, and the entire necklace um, has beautiful emerald green um, CZ stones surrounded by um, these other CZ white stones and it just uh, is one of my favorite pieces that I ever made. It uh, may not be the most complicated one but it is one of the favorites. That sounds amazing darling. I I love the way you speak about the design process of these pieces because uh, these pieces are steeped in history and provenance and they're very famous and um, I love that that you bring um, this into the market that us mere mortals can also have pleasure in wearing those beautiful pieces because we aren't all millionaires <laughs> we can afford <laughs> to order it from you so darling tell me more about your heritage collection what kind of pieces do you make in your heritage collection so most of the pieces in heritage collection are lovely you just said uh, there will be tiaras or they mm-hmm. would be uh brooches or necklaces from ancient time which are either destroyed or out of reach of a commoner uh most of the heritage collection uses the making of jewelry the way vintage jewelry was actually made so uh they are very in sync with how the original original piece would have looked or the jewelry at the time would have looked um Mm. and yeah they are still affordable for uh, anybody who would want to buy them and they would they all feature a european old european cut stones so even the cz that we have hand cut in house are specially created to match the time and the era of that specific uh, genre so say for example if it is edwardian or georgian or victorian era and mm-hmm. it's all royal jewelry so say tiara of that time so whatever the facets of the actual diamond would be is replicated to the cz and then uh, that is how identical they would look I love that, um, that it's identical, darling, because uh, as you and all my followers will know, um, I have an obsession <laughs> with the Queen's jewellery. 
And and as you know, the Cullen and Diamonds, I think that's actually what started me uh, taking note of your page, was your, your replicas of the Cullen and Diamonds. Now, I have a history with South African diamonds, born in South Africa. I grew up on the gold mines. And um, I've always had a fascination for these. And when you started making these replicas of, of the Cullinans, it fascinated me and the quality, it really looks so, so good, darling. And um, I'm very appreciative of that because it keeps history alive, you know, for us, us mere mortals that, that enjoy them. And um, can you tell me a bit about um, a piece you designed for a customer, like, like a special crown? Do you get customers like that who, who like to just collect royal jewelry? Yes, we do get a lot of customers uh, that use our jewelry. Sometimes they don't specifically use our jewelry uh, to wear them, wear them. Uh, sometimes they just use it as a conversational piece um, mm-hmm. or something they just like to add to their collection even if they cannot wear them because some of these tiaras are gigantic. So I remember I yes. had some uh, one made four and a half inch high tiara. Um, wow. Yeah, that was a huge tiara that we made. And so I, I'm sure that tiara was not meant to be worn, worn, but it was more of a conversation piece for them because that's yeah, absolutely, or, or like a really passionate jewelry collector, you know. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. So, I love that. Yeah, so a lot of tiaras actually look like royal family of Britain or or from India, for that mm-hmm. matter. Uh, a lot of Maharaja jewelry and Maharani jewelry are available. So, uh, yeah, we do have customers talk about how they like a certain piece from the history and want it to come alive and have their homes rather than the museums. And some of them uh, like changes, you know, to heritage. Um, they like the look and the feel, but they want a personalized design for the same look mm-hmm. and the feel. Uh, maybe they like motif of one necklace to be uh, amalgamated with another brooch or something like that and create their own piece so we a lot of times do that as well for our customers I love it so so someone who um, like me loves these fabulous jewels and then you customize it to your taste and size and then you have a custom piece, which is, which is, I think, a lovely thing to design with a jeweler. And um, have you had, um, have you had any other memorable requests from your customers that stood out to you besides crowns? Uh, yes, uh, we did have a brilliant brooch made. It was a nine and a half inch long brooch that wow. we made. Uh, it was a shoulder brooch. It was quite huge, and um, it was—I I mean, I had to literally carry it with both of my hands. So it oh, was that big, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was one of the uh, brooches that was like really huge. Then we had somebody ask us to make uh, the big Maharaja necklace for them. Um, one of the times so we do have a lot of uh, requests um, from them 
to make um, replicas of the maharaja and those jewelry but uh, very signature to adestra are these 100 carat rings or 50 carat and mm-hmm. 25 carat rings that one of which you possess uh which is very signature to adestra they are not replicas or anything of that so that's pretty mm-hmm. much our own design that's pretty much what we do mm-hmm. so it was created uh because we felt there was a need for it for anybody to look royal you need that 100 carat ring Oh yes darling you know my motto is i don't wear anything less than 100 carats <laughs> and um <laughs> your bling bling your bling bling collection i think definitely appeals to that state of mind darling where the bigger and the better and the bolder cuz um and you make it affordable now because you you use high quality zirconias and you, and you use it in silver so you can still have the bling bling factor and it looks fabulous <laughs> and So darling what was your biggest fear in starting arts in jewelry because I know you guys haven't been around for very long how long has your company been going for uh, we started in 2018 as adestro jewelry um mm-hmm. that's about it so we are not a very old company per se so uh biggest fear i would say that we have had starting our own uh, collection was um, initially very initially when we launched these 100 carat rings was that nobody would like it or buy it you know it's just going to sit in our cupboards forever um but yeah people loved them and we did sell out completely most of the time and then we had to keep manufacturing them uh because a lot of these rings are not available and what specifically makes uh, our bigger stones stand out compared to the other bigger stones we have out there in the market is they don't look empty so it, even mm. if you see your 100 carat ring you can't see your skin underneath that 100 carat a lot <laughs> of uh, bigger stones uh have a faceting such that you can actually see through them so, yeah so yeah i i was um one of the most trickiest part was to explain this to your customer like look this is a uh stone that is going to look like diamond because in real diamond you don't see your skin underneath but uh, yeah so, yeah that there something that was one of the biggest challenge even while manufacturing these seasets mm. mm that's understandable mm-hmm. now <clears throat> what was the biggest ring you've ever made biggest ring i have ever made uh yeah yes what's the 100 carat ring i have Uh, no, so we have actually made for somebody 150 carat earrings. Wow! <laughs> so yeah, we. I love that that you so bold, darling. Because you know when I got my 250 carat pink sapphire, hmm. and I asked the jewelers to set it for me in South Africa, they were like, "What? You can't set a stone over 100 carats." <laughs> and I said, "Excuse me." You can set anything you want of 100 carats. Right. And you've just proved it to us, right. darling, that you can. So, um, yeah, that's why we connected in the first place because we love big stones. Right. And um right. y- yeah, for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
But darling, what other projects are you working on now? Have you started anything new? So, uh, currently during pandemic, uh, exports were a lot of problems. So, we did start a very minimalist range, which is quite opposite to what uh, Adestra has been doing, which is more affordable and mm-hmm. a lower range, but for the domestic market. So, that exclusively right. sells in India. Um, and they are very super minimalist, uh, simple solitaire proposal rings and uh, chain necklaces and those type of things. For the worldwide market, actually, for the worldwide market, we are coming up with a lot of carved stone uh, jewelry with multicolored carved stone jewelry. So uh, that is what nice. we have just recently started for the worldwide market. I noticed your other feed has got the more minimalist range of jewelry, which which I think is a nice is a nice touch because not everybody is like Miss Janita that likes to wear hundred carat rings all day. Uh, in you know, I I don't even care whether it's day or night. I just wear them. So I love that that you're bringing in a um, a minimal, affordable look as well. And um, you can also take those pieces and um, recreate them. You know. And uh, adjust them to your style, which I like too, which is awesome, darling. So, darling, um, is there still a skill or technique you would like to master in the jewelry making realm? Um, yeah, some of the skills that I would still uh, we are exploring and we are working on are uh, different type of hinges that looks the jewelry more flawless. Um, because mm-hmm. I know there are so many hinges and um, the work out there right now, but I still feel there is a, a lot of room for improvement in that area. Um, so yeah. I definitely because a lot of these jewelry that look big and beautiful and very uh, loud are very uncomfortable to wear a lot of times. You know, like you, yes, you would wear a tiara <laughs> and it will be huge and it would weigh like 300 to 500 grams on your head. And it's just like carrying half a kg on your head all the time. You know? So that's like not practical. <laughs> and I would still not want to look cheap like a plastic or a pewter stuff. No. So I'm trying to get no. that. Yeah, I'm trying to get that weight down and make it more comfortable. Uh, that would be something. Yes, that would be yeah. brilliant. So something of that sort is what we are also working on. Besides that, we are definitely working, like I said, on the carved stones. We are mastering that skill set as well. Uh, bringing out the very ancient type of carvings on the stones and uh, telling a story through that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that, darling. I love old carved stones. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, when I lived in, in Saudi Arabia and I visited the gold souks, I was amazed by the Indian jewelry there. And it was so beautiful and it was so um, colorful. And that's why I fell in love with the full finger uh, articulated wedding rings. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the ring bracelet top jewelry. Right, right. And, um, yeah, making that'll be so cool, but like a modern twist. Right. 
Yeah, so it's nice. I like that you're branching out into, into modern avenues as well. <laughs> so, darling, uh, what jewelry do you wear? What's your favorite jewelry? You would be very surprised to know that uh, when I go out, <laughs> I tend to wear very loud jewelry. Uh, but when I am at work or when I am um, in my daily life, I wear very minimalist jewelry, super minimalist. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, we have to be practical. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, at work, we are so busy in our lives. We have to write like these long emails and we have to really, really communicate to people. So it is not practical to wear those big loud jewelry. Plus people would be like looking at me as if I'm crazy, wearing like big long earrings at work. But um, less that I care about what people think about me, but I would still, it's um, not practical to sit in that jewelry that additional makes and works. So my daily jewelry collection basically has a lot of minimalist jewelry and when I go to weddings and when I get to show off I would I love to wear those uh, big rings that that I have get it all out on the the big occasions and keep it simple at work right (laughs) so my collection basically has both and my collection does have a lot of studded watches that we also do do you have any any pieces like um like from your history, historical pieces from your family that's been passed down? Um, not really because uh, I don't come from a very rich or a royal family. We actually come from a very humble background. Um, so what uh, my sister and I have started this business together, and uh, it actually came about because of financial crisis at home so yeah we come from a very humble and a very small background but i do have jewelry from what my mom wears and things like that at home but no ancestry well i love that you started your jewelry making you know from humble beginnings because not all of us have contacts in the music but your passion and now your business is growing from strength to strength, darling. Is it just you and your sisters? Uh, it's basically my sister who does the designing part of it. I'm more towards the marketing. I'm more towards the research and customer communication, business development, manufacturing. That's all those things. It's wonderful to hear, darling. And I wish your company every strength to strength. And I wish you all the luck in the future do many more chats in future and um, discuss all your new goodies that you're designing and um, thank you again for um, coming on our show and speaking so frankly and honestly about your collection thank you again for having me I mean I um, hope I was able to give you a lot of uh, good I don't really have a lot of juicy information it's pretty mundane but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's still a lot of fun to chat with you always. Yes, and it's fun having you on the podcast. Darling, um, and one last thing, where can our followers and listeners find more, more of your work? Where can they find it? Is it on Instagram? Have you got a website so they can go and see what uh, all the gorgeous things are that you make? 
sure so we do have website uh, so our worldwide audience can visit adestrajewelry.com our domestic mm-hmm. uh, audience can visit adestrajewelry.in and obviously we do also have uh, instagram uh, for worldwide and india our instagram handle for worldwide is adestra a d a s t r a underscore jewelry j e w e l r y the american spelling and mm-hmm. for the domestic market it's adestra underscore india which is a d a s t r a underscore india as in my country i n d i a so those would be the places you would get uh, regular updates about our jewelry and you would be able to see a new collection making and much more about what we do oh i love that darling you just send me the links after the show and then um i will do my little um collages as you know i always do a collage after a show right and then i dedicate three posts to uh, my guests because i believe we just you deserve three posts and i love supporting women especially women supporting other women and trying to make a living during these pandemic times because times are tough everywhere as you know i've been going for interviews myself now and looking for a job <laughs> <laughs> so um if i can support another woman like you guys and give you some exposure um it's done with utmost love and respect so thank you for sharing your story with me you're most welcome and i wish you luck with all your job and i really wish i can help you in any way and do let us know if we could help you in any way because this Aww. is what we can all do right now to help each other out and yes. that is what we definitely believe in helping each other out oh thank you darling yes sisters doing it for themselves darling you know if women had all the power in the world it would be a very different place wouldn't it yes you would be surprised i think when sorry when women help each other something special happens definitely you'd be surprised to know that my entire team is also women so we have about 15 people working with us on this uh, on the brands adestra jewelry and adestra india and all of them are women so oh good girl, girl i'm so proud of you girl power <laughs> yeah power. Uh, i love that you know when women empower women It's, it's just special you know um you're getting out all these jewelers and 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 miners and things and they've got mines in africa and you know they say they empower women but you what you're doing is really empowering women hiring women getting the designers getting the team together working together supporting each other and, and that's just beautiful oh, thank you so much this really <laughs> means a lot to us No, and us too, darling. So I'm glad that we had this chat. So now my followers and listeners can know who you are and can go on your feed and give you some support. Sure, this will be wonderful. <laughs> okay, darling, I, I don't know what time it is in India, but um, I'm going to wish you a good day and thank you for your time. Uh, it's 7 p.m. in India, a Sunday evening, ah. and we are going to have Holi tomorrow. So I wish you happy Holi. and uh, thank you so much again for having us talking about adestra and supporting us in the way you do it's my pleasure darling feel free to contact me anytime you, you need a shout out sure thank you <laughs> take care darling bye bye
So this podcast shows a theme today got me thinking. Where is the line between inspiration and imitation? In 1994 interview, Steve Jobs said, Picasso had a saying, Good artists copy, great artists steal. Actually, a Renaissance, sorry, Russian-born composer Igor Stravinsky said it first, or maybe it was renowned poet T.S. Eliot. After years of manipulation and modification, the true origin of the saying remains unclear, rendering it emblematic of the discipline it concerns. Indeed, few things in the world of art are truly original. I've seen people rip off my work, alumna and photographer Claire Fagan said. I've seen people rip off my boss's work. So how hard to be in the art world and not see it happen on a daily basis? So, my darlings, this is my question for today. What is the line between inspiration and imitation? Throughout history, artists have drawn inspiration from other artists. Andy Warhol did it. Quentin Quarantino did it. But what came of those alterations were some of the 21st century's most notable masterpieces. Let's be honest, most people don't care that Led Zeppelin (laughs) ripped off their predecessors because its renditions of songs were objectively superior. This is not up up for debate. The only two tragedies in life, one is not getting what one wants, and the other is denying the fact that Led Zeppelin is the greatest band of all time. Oscar Wilde was famous for saying that, a a variation of that, that is. It poses a critical question. Where is the line between admiration-fueled imitation and shameless stealing? It's such a fine line, Fagan said. It's hard to draw inspiration from someone else without ripping them off whenever you try to execute it yourself. That's because imitation is the purest form of flattery, Oscar Wilde once said. Or Charles Caleb Colton, the gist remains the same. If you are ripping someone else off, it's because you like their stuff so much, Fagan said. If someone else is ripping you off, (laughs) it's because they like your stuff so much. (laughs) So I think... Behind any rip-off, there is some kind of compliment there because they didn't, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't think twice about it. As soon as you might think both Fagan and senior media production major uh, Ifiani Izim agreed that it is a line of artists that a line artists should not cross. Or should they? As soon as that line... Oh, damn, I'm repeating myself. Um... I'm all about being inspired by other people's work, but if there are things that are first being copied, well, that's when I can't really give respect to the artist, Azim said. Now, now we come to the hot melting pot of flaming bag of poo that can get thrown around the room. And that flaming bag of poo today is social media, a breeding ground for thievery. Ooh, don't we know that? I've had so many jewelers come up to me and say that their pages have been cloned. People are selling their jewelry under their own names. They're copying their designs. It's rife, darlings. Rife. Well, music used to be the primary form of um, subject to artistic theft. John Pfeiffer, Pepperdine Media law professor and entertainment attorney, said the rise in social media use 
likely makes photography the most susceptible of any art form. Before, people couldn't really share photos that easily, Pfeiffer said. Now, with their social media apps just devoted to the images, it's very hard to police. Senior Veronica Adams, a beauty and fashion photographer, said when she posts to Instagram, she knows there is no protection when it comes to her images. I do all my own copyrights to my images and I can't stop someone from screenshotting my image on Instagram. Can't protect me from that either, Sam said. Instagram does not offer a form if a user feels their copyright has been infringed. But when you post something up to the gram, there's a chance that your image can be stolen. Azim said he only posts videos on social media and he views it as expendable, but Fagan said the benefits of social media outweigh the risks. A platform that gives for artists does more good than bad, Fagan said. As a photographer, I don't know where the heck I would be putting my photos if it wasn't for Instagram even though I'm shooting for brands and musicians and people like that, because it's not like print, it's not big anymore. But the idea of someone else taking your work is still quite daunting, Fagan said. Perhaps I think, wow, I'm putting these on here, and obviously my name is on it, people are seeing it in my profile. But if someone was to post it or use it or whatever, there's no guarantee that my name would be on it, Fagan said. So there's nothing really I can do or feel like I can do. Yet, Sam said, while concepts are taken from artists all the time, we should not necessarily call it stealing. I call it getting inspired and just using it to create something of my own, Sam said. No one is going to copy something exactly, and if they do, it will be obvious and people will know their work is not original. I follow quite a few photographers and get inspiration from them. Um, all the time, but never do I try to recreate one of the images exactly. That is a waste of time. Copyright law and fair use. There are preventative measures artists can take to, to mitigate the risk of their work being stolen. Pfeiffer said the most efficient way, to, legal way, to prevent someone from stealing photos is to copyright them. Although Zayim said he does not copyright the footage on, he, on his posts on social media, he does copyright his short films. When it comes to my short films, they usually copyright at the very end, Azim said. All rights reserved usually go toward me and whoever helped me produce them. But copywriting process can be pricey. If you're famous, you're probably copywriting every photo uh, because it's $35, maybe $40. But, you, but if you're an amateur photographer and you're taking hundreds of thousands of photos, you're not going to spend that kind of money. So going through the process of suing someone for copyright infringement is also not particularly efficient, he said. The Supreme Court actually just ruled that you can have a registered copyright before you can sue anybody for copyright infringement. So you have, a file, have, to, you have to file the paperwork with a copyright office, wait 69 months for whatever it takes, for them to get back to you and have a certificate of registration and then you can sue. The average person isn't going to wait. Pfeiffer said the second option is to create a watermark, which is a faint logo superimposed on the image to identify the photographer. If someone rips them off, it's going to have the name of the company on it and it's going to be virtually useless for anything, Pfeiffer said. For many artists, this is not a viable option either. Fagan said preserving artistic quality is of utmost importance and watermarking may detract from it. I never want to use a watermark, Fagan said. It just seems to take 
away so much of the photo to have a, a, a watermark at the bottom. But this is where um, I actually disagree because as you guys know, I've been posting uh, collages on Instagram since 2013, yes, 2013, and my way of, of putting a creative spin on it, and not just by posting a jeweler's work is I put my creative input design ideas into a collage where I take aspects of their work incorporated into a collage that I've made myself so I've actually created that content myself but using other jewelers work but I always do credit them um, I never ever say it's my jewelry or I made it or I always credit the jewelers and I think it's a nice interesting way to present things you love because isn't Instagram what it's all about of sharing things you love which they're totally fucking up now because uh with facebook taking over they they're bringing in all these different laws and things and it's making it so unfun i actually received a message on my elizabeth taylor page the day before yesterday um basically telling me i've infringed copyright um and i don't have enough followers and my my feed isn't monetized uh for to give me permission to post old vintage pictures so I don't know what is going to come off that if uh, the past has been banned all of a sudden and uh, we won't be able to post vintage pictures of things we like anymore because I thought that was the whole um, aim of Instagram was to get people together to share pictures of things they love. So if I'm sharing a picture of Elizabeth Taylor that's 50 years old, who has copyright on that? Nobody. And to bring up another question on copyright and ownership, my husband bought me an Elizabeth Taylor um, photograph that she'd signed for, for my wedding anniversary. How romantic, isn't that? So if I post that picture of Elizabeth Taylor that he bought me, how's that going to be perceived? So old Zuckerberg is opening a whole can of worms here with all his copyright under the guise of hashtag keeping social media safe. All I can see is he's monetizing it, and I think you can pretty much post what you want if your page is monetized. So there is the truth. It just comes down to money, darlings. And I, I thought this was an important thing to raise about talking about copying, making things, designing it as your own, posting pictures on, on Instagram or, or, or any social media law. Um, which brings me to the future of copyright law. Experts are cal calculating that within the next five years there will be a shift in the current copyright law. But whether it will become more stringent or lenient is a contentious debate. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of new laws coming out. Not just because of pretty pictures we want to share, but politically, socially, economically, all these things that's, that's coming into being. Are you allowed to say anything anymore? Um, are you, not, you know, can you worse an opinion? Or is that opinion not uh, in line with the current agenda that's been pushed? Only certain people are allowed to have a voice, while others aren't. It's a very sticky slope, this internet. You know, I grew up without the internet, darlings. Yes, I am a dinosaur. And times were so much simpler then. But now everybody in the world has a voice. And I'm wondering some days, some voices, hmm, they're just out there to cause harm, aren't they? So, um, here's a little quote about Mark Zuckerberg I read. It says, Mark Zuckerberg has 
announced the reshaping of Facebook, they're going to focus on privacy. I predict there will be more sites that will make you pay a fee so suddenly you can separate what is public and what is private. Because right now, you can make it private, but to my knowledge, you can only completely keep it segregated if you have two separate accounts. So, yeah, it's becoming more complicated by the day. Then moral implications. Until the law changes, for many artists, the propensity to make someone else's work becomes less of a legal issue and more of a moral one. And uh, Fagan said that while we often draw inspiration from other artists, she takes an approach to ensure that she's not flat out copying them. So that's actually an important point, you know, I think. Um, I just feel there's nothing wrong with drawing inspiration from work from another artist, as long as the artist drawing the inspiration makes it a reflection of himself or herself. Okay, so when wanting to create a work of art based off past inspiration, think to yourself, what about this piece inspired me? You know, was it the color? Was it the lighting, the angle, the stone? So start from there and, um, you know, sometimes draw, draw inspiration from directions that you like, but put, put your own taste and flair into it. And so that this will uh, produce something that's not an exact um, alteration of, of the other work. If you do incorporate elements of your own style, say say maybe for one particular scene is shot in one way or influenced by another artist, then it's more respectable. So just keep it real. I mean, um, there's nothing new under the sun. And um, I wish you luck on Instagram. I'm going to keep on posting, even though I'm losing hundreds of followers a day. And I think every time I post now, I basically get 100 people see a post. If you guys check out my stories, I posted some things there on how to maybe increase your, your engagement on your feed. I don't know if it'll work. Maybe it'll be helpful. And um, I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about uh, imitation versus copying. <laughs>